Welcome to the revolution. Hello, and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. We are going to be discussing all about the dark sides of the self-help industry and discussing whether or not I think New Year's resolutions are bullshit, which apparently a lot of people do. So we will discuss that, and then we'll also touch on a more recent event Today event, a breaking event, breaking news, as some would say, which is that Andrew Tate has been arrested for sex trafficking, among other things, but mainly sex trafficking. That's kind of a big one. So <laughs> we will discuss that as well. And it kind of ties into the whole self-help thing, because if you didn't know it, uh, Andrew Tate basically has an empire of people that pay him monthly for his advice. Uh, maybe you don't take advice from predators. I don't know. So we will discuss that. We'll discuss the crazy circumstances as to how that actually happened. But mainly today is all going to be on my journey through the dark realms of the self-help industry. Some good things, some bad things, um, some recommendations for you. And then we'll talk about resolutions as well as Andrew Tate being a human trafficker. <laughs> so stick around for that. And uh, we'll go ahead and get started. But the very first thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I would appreciate it so much. It takes two seconds out of your day, gets you some good karma, which is a very, very expensive commodity in today's world. Go ahead and click that button. You'll be able to join me every single week for conversations just like this. So again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Head over to the Substack, uh, redpillrevolution.substack.com or directly at redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers. And you can sign up for the Substack. You'll get all of the articles, topics, recommendations I'm making here, uh, maybe some articles that I'm writing up about it, all of that and more for free, free, doesn't cost you anything, uh, redpillrevolution.substack.com. And if you'd like to be a paid subscriber, you can do so there as well, but you get all the content free at the very bottom and allows you to sign up to become a paid subscriber, and I would appreciate it. Um, that's all I got for you for right now. So again, thank you so much for listening. and. Let's get started. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right, let's jump into it. New Year's is upon us, and that means one thing, well, probably a few things, but one thing in particular that a lot of people talk about this time of year, which is New Year's resolutions. Now, I put out a... Uh, I put out a story today asking people what they thought, if they're going to do resolutions. And to no surprise, I think recently, 
I believe that resolutions, New Year's resolutions has been getting some hate more recently than, than ever. Now, if you recall, like it, it was a, probably five, 10 years ago, New Year's resolutions were a cool thing to do. Now, all of the sudden, New Year's resolutions are apparently lame. I, I don't get it. Why? I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I, I have some insight from some people who talked about this uh, that gave me their feedback as to why they would not be doing a New Year's resolution this year. So we will talk about that too. But um, overall, the overarching thing seems to be people who think that that uh, basically the overwhelming response that I got regarding this was that if I'm going to improve my life, I can do it at any time of year. That was the overwhelming, the overwhelming response that I got to this story. So I think there's some merit to that. Although, although, <laughs> although I do think that also, um, I, th I think that everything goes in cycles. I think that, uh, there's a, there's absolutely a time and place for resolutions. Some people do it on their birthdays. Some people do it on a yearly basis with new years. And I think that's okay. Right. I, I think that it's an opportunity for self-awareness, right? If, if you know anything about meditation, you know, anything about mindfulness, it's about tr finding a way to make a mental note when you can improve on something, whether it's your anger, whether you're it's frustration, whether it's habits that you want to create, waking up early, whatever it is, it's about finding a way to find mental notes and get mental clarity and improve your life, right? Whether it's in the moment by being a better person, by, you know, walking away when maybe you want to say something back to that person who is a jerk, whatever it is, it's about finding those opportunities for self-awareness. That's my thought on New Year's resolutions. I think that there's a time and place for it. I think that people absolutely, I, I don't get the hate with resolutions, honestly. I think that there should absolutely be a place for people every single year to sit down, sit back and take a look at their life, right? Every single year, there, there's a literal number attached to it, right? A full rotation around the sun. And so I, I absolutely think there's a time and place for it. But do your thing, right? If you're that person who's just like all year round is just making their life better. Good for you. <laughs> I think that's awesome. But for everybody else, it's a time and place that, that just kind of gives you that kick in the ass when you need it. Sit down and making your resolutions. Now, now I think there's some better ways to do it because I think a lot of what's happened more recently is the consumerism, is consumerism aspect of New Year's resolutions, right? I think that there's absolutely, you know, the, the same way that Amazon goes crazy right before Black Friday. You see all the gyms, like <laughs> the gyms, the New Year's is their Christmas, right? So don't get sucked into that, right? If, if you're not going to pay for a personal trainer in the middle of the year trying to, you know, lose some weight, then maybe don't, you shouldn't buy a, a 10 uh, round package with your local gym to do so. But I definitely think that there's a, a good element to it as long as you approach it the right way. And I think that's kind of a general theme to self-help in general, right? You'll see, you'll see what I have here, a bunch of books, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm quite versed on this. I've, I've read literally name a self-help book, name a guru, whatever I, I've, I've heard of them, right? I was in a, a, a highly um, competitive industry of sales for a long time. I, I trained salespeople. I helped them, you know, find their way in, in the world of that. And, and it almost goes hand in hand. I ran book clubs about self-help stuff. So it's like, I, I have a, a decent resume when it comes to talking on this. Um, so we will get into some of my recommendations, some of the things that I would stay away from. Um, but primarily the, the overarching theme here is like self-awareness over self-improvement. And I think that self-awareness and, and learning to be more self-aware allows you to improve overall throughout your entire life. And obviously the biggest number one thing that people will tell you to do to become more self-aware is to meditate, right? Is to do yoga, to find ways to be mindful in the moment, because, you know, I've, I've talked about meditation and how it's improved my life in positive ways before, but 
I'll, I'll tell you again, because I think it's worth I think it's worth having a conversation about. Um, for a lot of people, you have this constant stream of negativity in your brain, right? You have this constant stream of like, you know, self-doubt and um, imposter syndrome and all, all of these things that go on inside of your head. There's a constant stream of things. And, and, and what meditation and mindfulness allows you to do is actually recognize that. Now, one of the gurus I'll talk about a little bit later is Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss, just with this one little idea, changed my mind and, and help me out a lot. And we'll talk about the gurus I think are bullshit in a little bit because <laughs> there's definitely some of those out there. Um, but Tim Ferriss talks about the monkey mind, right? Tim Ferriss talks about uh, realizing that there is a side of your consciousness that is unhelpful. And it's the one that you don't give enough attention to, but is constantly there. And that's your monkey mind, right? So through meditation, through mindfulness, you can start to realize that that's there and start to improve on it, right? Start to realize that I don't want to have that constant stream of negativity. I want to take a deep breath and think of something positive, right? And, and orient myself in a direction that's positive rather than self-criticism, right? And so, so there's absolutely that. And that's, that's one thing that I think is great that helps you, at least in the very beginnings of meditation, is the biggest impact it will have on your life. And fairly quickly, it doesn't take very long, um, but definitely, I think overarching, over self-improvement, over self-help is self-awareness. And behind what I'm talking about here and the recommendations I'm going to make to you, you'll see that in over arching kind of theme. All right. Now, one thing that is a current event that we will talk about right away, though, is going to be the fact that Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate, the the misogynistic asshole that everybody knows him to be, has come out again. Now, I say again because a lot of people don't know this. Andrew Tate actually legitimately has been tr like was arrested for sex trafficking before this. This already happened. Right. So so this isn't new, like a new idea that Andrew Tate is like this this trafficking individual. Now, something that I find to be interesting about the whole situation. Let's let's back up and get the timeline. So Andrew Tate and Greta Thunberg. Thunberg? I always thought it was Thornberg, first of all. So I think this is some Mandela effect bullshit that all of a sudden it's Thunberg. I've, for some reason in my head, it was always Thornberg. <laughs> it was always Thornberg. But uh, Andrew Tate and Greta Thunberg were going back and forth on Twitter. And uh, Andrew Tate basically said something to her about his 33 cars and a Bugatti with a 12 in, you know, 12 V engine and, and all this stuff. And, and, Greta Thunberg uh, said something back about, um, please send me an email about it, smalldickenergy at Greta Thunberg or whatever it was. And that was the big, ooh, burn that everybody called it uh, because she said that. Yeah, it was a pretty good comeback to Andrew Tate, but I'm not going to give any, any uh, credit to Greta Thunberg or Greta Thunberg, which is her actual name in the realm that apparently I'm from that I now switched to this one in because I absolutely believe it was Thornburg until today. Anyways, um, so he has been allegedly was, was being charged for sex trafficking and the rape of two women within this year. Prior to that, he's had claims against him of like physical and sexual abuse, one going back to the time that he was on a reality show. And there was a video that came out of him with uh, a girl where he was like kind of being a little bit abusive sexually. And the girl came out and said that it was consensual and this and that, but he got a lot of, a lot of pushback from that. Um, but he also has actually been, been arrested in the same way that he was today for sex trafficking. Um, now he was not, 
he he was not found guilty. So there's one thing. Now that doesn't always mean that they weren't guilty. Um, but I would say that um, he obviously has some some places where that misogyny is coming from, right? The 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 whole idea, the way that he speaks about women, all, that whole the whole identity that Andrew Tate has is surrounding misogynistic ideologies. And when you you degenerate women to sexuality and you you push them into the 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 kitchen role and like, you know, all of that kind of surrounds devaluing somebody for who they actually are. And so that kind of can elude you to believing that he would be capable of something like this. Now, I'm not saying that he is it, what is interesting is he was on the drink or the dr Nelk Boys podcast or something like that. And he came out and said that, you know, this was like a week or two ago, um, a week or two ago, he said that they were going to try and arrest him. They said that he, the first thing they did was cancel me. The second thing they're going to try and do is arrest me. And if that doesn't work and I don't shut up at that point, then they're going to kill me. Now, maybe he could have been predicting his arrest because He's actually a sex trafficking, weirdo, misogynistic asshole, like a lot of us already believe. Um, but also maybe there's something to that idea of what happened to Kanye, where all, the, all of the cancellations across you know every single company, every brand, all of it happened simultaneously in, in this like constructed way. So I don't know. I, I will let the, the, the Romanian legal teams deal with this. I, I don't know how much belief I have in them um, or how, you know, their, their unwillingness to be paid off by somebody who can brag about having 33 Bugattis or whatever he was doing to Greta Thunberg. I don't know. But that's what's going on with Andrew Tate. Now, the reason that this ties into self-help stuff is because Andrew Tate runs something called Hustlers University. And I think that self-help gets a bad rep because of literally people exactly like Andrew Tate. He promises all this stuff. He builds pyramid schemes around, you know, th this regurgitated materials and this regurgitated ideas that he, he's been taking from little books and, and writings here or there and then claims to say it, you know, talk, talk about, you know, studying religions and, and all of this like bullshit guru ideas. And so, and that's what you kind of see in all, all of these fake bullshit gurus that I'll talk about a little bit later. And I'm going to call them out by name because I think there are several. And I, and I followed these people and I paid money for courses and I went to seminars and shook their hands and like, I did the whole deal, guys. I promise I did it all. Um, so, so I know what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I was in this whole, I like this whole segment of society, this hustle porn, hustle culture, and, and what you'll find is it's pretty empty. It's, uh, it, it's, it's built around this idea of like, almost like everybody's in some sort of weird manic episode, um, when they're at these events right now, now there are some good ones and there's are some great books and there are some things that you can do to improve your life, but most of them don't involve paying some random 32-year-old asshole who shows off his Lamborghini $2,500 to become a part of a course and then sell that course to other people on his behalf. I don't know. It was a pyramid scheme. The whole thing was a pyramid scheme. That was Andrew Tate's deal. That's where he made his money. Um, you know, it was not beyond popular belief, his professional kickboxing, where he probably made a total of $10,000 right now. I do think that there are some things that Andrew Tate talked about that were 
had some merit, right? He talked about cancel culture. He talked about the death of masculinity. You know, he, he has alluded to some things that are, that make sense in today's society. Uh, but the overarching theme and in the, in the things that stick out, if you have a bunch of clips of you calling women, you know, worthless, unless they're in the kitchen cooking you food, uh, or, you know, the, the whole ideas that he had surrounding that just, just, elude you to believe that maybe there's something, some merit to this idea of, of him, you know, de degenerating then down to acts of, uh, you know, trafficking and, and things like that. So, um, anyways, again, my idea is self-awareness over self-help and definitely don't pay some, any, any random asshole who shows you their Lamborghini, do not pay them any money at all. <laughs> and, and it seems like culture has gotten away from this a little bit, which I'm really happy about because there was, I would say probably four or five years ago, there was this like whole hustle culture and hustle porn. And like I said, I was like neck deep in it. I've read all the books. Like I said, I got them like really like a handful of them behind me and a whole library of them. So if you, you call it out, I will be able to talk about it. I've read it. I know the authors. I, I've, I've gone through it. And there are some that I'll call out that I like and some that I don't specifically like. But I think that the, the overarching theme is that hustle porn, hustle culture, the Gary V's, the work till you die culture is going away, which is I think pretty positive in, in the way society is kind of shifting, right? I think that there is much more of a look towards things like self-awareness and meditation and mindfulness than there is around like, wake up, snort some coffee and get to the gym at 3 a.m. and then run to the office from the gym and then sit down and work till 2 a.m. the next morning and then take an hour of sleep and then go after it again. Like there was this, this whole... I would, I would almost a decade, maybe like a half a decade where the hustle porn, hustle culture, Gary Vee, that whole idea of how you should act that, that, and, and it preyed upon people who were willing and able to do the work, but it, but it positioned you in a wrong way, right? You, you never need to pay $2,500 to have motivation, right? And again, I think doing a New Year's resolution where you sit down for a, a half hour, an hour, you look at your past year, you come up with ideas of where you want to be in a, a year. I do think that, you know, um, visualization when it comes to especially things like sports, right? It's hard to like visualize your, you know, you should visualize yourself successful and, and visualization is, is important. Um, I think writing down your goals and, and you know, trying to review your past year is probably more important than predicting your next year. And I think that's a part that a lot of people miss when it comes to their New Year's resolutions. Um, so, you know, if you do do resolutions, if you're somebody who's too good for them and you're just awesome all the time, like good for you. I think that's great. And, and not everybody has that type of motivation. Um, and a lot of the people who say that they're doing that are lying to themselves. Now, that's not to say that there's not just some savages out there <laughs> that are just killing it every day. And I, I wish I was like you where I just, you know, but motivation is fleeting right? Consistency is always key in whatever it is that you do. And sometimes you just don't need this shit at all. Maybe you just need to spend time with your kids. Maybe you love walking your dog and you don't need to wake up at 4 a.m. to do it, right? Maybe you, you need to do more of your hobbies that you enjoy. Maybe you need to, to draw more at night, right? It's like you don't need to work your face off, as Gary Vee would say, to, to have, because success means different things to different people. Right. And this is like a conversation that I would have my, with my children around this is like, 
Success to you does not need to mean the same thing that it does to me. Maybe I love cars, right? And there, there's there's probably very few people that love cars to the extent that you should be spending $500,000 on them. Uh, but <laughs> if you love cars and that's your thing and you want to save up $500,000 and buy a McLaren, do it. They're cool. But for the most part, people that are doing those things are doing it because they're self-conscious. They're doing it because they want to be accepted. They want to feel like they're somebody. And, and, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll sacrifice. And you'll see this with all of the gurus that have been out there for, for however many years, the Ty Lopez's, the, you know, they literally rent their, rent the car for a weekend, rent the, the, the Airbnb that makes it look like they're in a mansion every time they have to do a video. This is actually a thing. I saw people do this that I met at these type of events where they would rent a car, rent a, a, a million dollar apartment for a day, spend $3,000 on both of them, and then create 50 videos that they would release over the next year and a half. And it's this like weird, crazy, manic episode that everybody's going through together. But Again, I'm, I'm super happy that it died. And so it was the laws of success by Napoleon Hill. And the laws of success is what broke down later into Think and Grow Rich. Now, if when it gets into like the self-help industry, this book, The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill, is like the, the, the beginning of that right now. And if you listen to a lot of people, they'll tell you that like, the Bible's the OG self-help book, and, and in many ways, they're right, right? It, it, and, and, and the best ways, they're probably the most right, because it's about being a good person, not as much about making as much money as possible or stretching your 24 hours into the most effective minute-by-minute minute, uh, productivity that you can. So it started there, right? I was 16, 17. I went into the military, got out of the military, right? Went into 18, got out at 22, and I went into sales. In sales, when you get into like this high intensity, high turnover sales, I did it for five years in an industry that was like super cutthroat. You'd have like 85% drop off rates of everybody that you'd hire. Um, and that was like expected, built into the culture. And so you'd have to motivate these people because it was 100% commission, right? And you'd teach them how to sell. And most people suck at sales. And it's very difficult to teach somebody with the wrong personality how to sell, but you try it anyways. And in many ways, I think almost everybody in those industries are good intentioned. And I think that in a lot of cases, if you find the right people, it can work out very well. But in most cases, it doesn't. So anyways, I went into sales and, you know, this will be my little pick you up a uh, little story for you. Um, the very first two to three months I was in sales, I, I barely made any sales at all. And there was a woman who was a cubicle, like down the, the way from me. And I was 22 years old and I was super frustrated and I thought I was the shit. And <laughs> just, I, I couldn't make as many sales as her. And every single week she just crushed it. And so, and this is probably a better lesson than most that you'll get. And so I was trying to figure out what is she doing different than what I'm doing, right? She's saying the same things. She's selling the same products, but she just seems to be closing more people and making way more money than I was. And I was making like almost nothing at the time. And so what I did is I went and I sat behind her, right? I went and I just sat there for a whole day, two days, actually. I sat behind her and listened to what she did and listened to how she approached her customers. And it was it was more about authenticity than almost anybody would have you believe. And so there was no book that was going to teach you to be authentic, right? It was just literally sitting there and listening to her speak. And so now that doesn't mean that I didn't run home every day and read a book that was trying to make me better, to make me more money, to make me better, you know, have a nicer watch and a nicer car and a bigger house. And so I, I literally lived this and I preach this to people too, that like, 
In order to make more money, you need to be a better person. Now, I think that is still true today. I, I do think that if you bring value to the market, not to sound like some, you know, uh, you'll hear Mark Zuckerberg talk about, you know, just bring value, bring value, add value to the customers. And it's like, yeah, okay, but that's it's so vague and it's generally bullshit. But add value to the world, right? If you get better at the things that you enjoy doing to the point that somebody's willing to pay you for them, getting even better at them will yield better results, right? So it's if you enjoy something and it can also make you money, spend a lot of time on that. Doesn't mean you need to wake up at 4 a.m. And, and, you know, throw ice cubes in your face and then douse yourself in a, a, an ice bath, which ice baths are great. I'll tell you that. I, I still do ice baths. Um, but it does mean that skills over productivity. I think that's the one of the biggest keys is like, Skills are far more important than like second to second productivity. So if like inconsistency, right? Like if you, if you want to become somebody who's worth more, who can make more money, it doesn't come down to dousing yourself with ice at four in the morning and going for a run. Right. And there's some people who will have you believe that, you know, and, and, and maybe in some ways they're right that a kick in the ass does help, but primarily what helps you make more money is being more valuable, right? And I, I talk to people, you know, still that I have around me that I try and mentor that are younger than me. And, and it's about, you know, if you have a utility belt and you go to a company and go, look at all the skills I have, and they're only willing to pay you so much for the things that they're asking for, but you can tell them that, oh, but also I can do X, Y, and Z above and beyond what you're offering. So I'm worth this much more to you and your company as an asset because you don't have to hire this out. You don't have to bring somebody else on board, whatever that is. There's different ways to position yourself, but it all comes down to getting skill sets over life hacks, right? Like the whole hack idea. That was like a whole, you know, a, a huge thing between like 2010 to 2015 was like 15 ways to hack your productivity, 15 ways to hack your sleep, 15 ways to hack your sex life. Like it was all bullshit. And it's just literally the beginning of clickbait. And there's no hack, right? There's no hack to becoming a millionaire. There's no hack to becoming happy. It's about consistency over time, doing the things that you enjoy and getting better at them. And that's not something you're going to read in these books. It's all about, you know, the, the little the small things. Now, I do have a few books here that I will talk about, um, but they primarily don't don't talk about those things. And that's something that I've, I've shifted away from, right? I've, I've shifted away from Napoleon Hill and gone more towards people like, you know, Marcus Aurelius, right? Philosophy is the real self-help, right? And, and, and maybe for some people that looks like religious texts. And, um, but for me, I've found that, you know, Marcus Aurelius's meditations is one of the best things that I can start my day with. It's not telling me to wake up and run 20 miles and then, you know, jump in a cold shower and take a swim through a river before 8 a.m., <laughs> It's it's telling me how to live properly, right? It's telling me how to act in front of my children. It's it's telling me how to be as a, a spouse or a leader or, you know, there, there's a lot of things within that book that are so much more positive than any of the self-help books that are out there. Now, again, I do think that there's a place for resolutions. I do think that there's a place for self-help books. And a lot of them, especially the ones that actually gain traction and are very successful, they have merit for a reason. There are things that you can find within those books. And if you spend $15 on a book and five or six or 10 hours reading it, and you get one sentence that positions you in a way that you change 
your life in some manner or, or you better yourself as a result, then that's great, right? That's worth $15 in 10 hours because what else would you have been doing with your time, honestly? <laughs> but it, it, where it really gets dark is the gurus. That's where I think it starts to get really, really weird is when it comes to the self-help gurus. Now, I'll talk about some here that I think are bullshit, were bullshit, have always been bullshit, and are snake oil salesmen with great confidence and sales abilities, but also, uh, you know, just basically screwed over a ton of people, right? Now, now, a few of these people that I'll talk about, the number one, and this was literally the OG Lamborghini guy, was Ty Lopez. Ty Lopez is the biggest crock of shit in all of the self-help industries. He's the very, very first one who, if you go back and you watch some of his Lamborghini videos, sit, oh, I'm in my garage with my Lamborghini. It's like the biggest joke. Now, what he does is he takes other people's ideas, repackages them, talks about what is it? I think he said he went to Harvard or he like he denied his acceptance to Harvard or like some BS and, and tries to be a figure of authority and convince you that if you buy my books and my $3,000 course, you too can rent a Ferrari for a weekend and take a video in front of it. <laughs> and that's how he built an empire. Now, I'm not saying he didn't make money. He made crazy money doing this. But what he was doing was selling a false dream. Right. And there are some courses that he had and I've, I paid for some of them. There was like a Facebook advertising course. There was a, a digital marketing agency course where there's actually skills being learned. And, and he would basically just aggregate different specialists across industries into teaching you how to do things correctly and then repackage them and sell them by taking a video in front of his Lamborghini, <laughs> which, again, goes back to never trust anybody who's taking a video in front of a Lamborghini. Um, but he would be my number one. Okay. Now the second one that I would say that I would put out there is, and it hurts me to say this because I, I was again, deep in this industry, deep in the game for a little bit, um, back in a different life was Grant Cardone. And, and, and you'll start to see a theme with all these people. They're like literally caricatures, the, 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 um, Ty Lopez in front of his Lamborghini, the Grant Cardone just hyped up with a, a $300,000 watch that he's pointing at in front of a, a jet behind him. Like if, if any part of it feels inauthentic or it feels like a, a caricature run, run as fast as you can away from it. But there are good people. Now, one person that I think is kind of like a hybrid between the bullshit in the way that they're presented to a, a large audience, but when you get down to the thick of it, maybe has some positivity within it is Gary V. Gary V preached was the, the face of the hustle porn right? The, the hustle culture industry, Gary V would just the, the pinnacle of it taught every single person how to act and, and what the right way was to, to position themselves as a figure of authority in this hustle porn industry. And now where I think that there's some positivity with Gary V is a lot of things that he talked about was gratitude and thankfulness. And, you know, some of these things that were interwoven within his hustle porn teachings. Um, but you know, his thing was like, work your face off and, and go garage sailing on weekends. And you too could be a multimillionaire just like me. And it just, it's not generally practical. Right. And, and, and I think too, it, it goes back to a bigger conversation when we're talking about what I was saying earlier, which is success looks different for different people, right? Success for me might be, 
you know, enjoying my time with my children, being a present father and teaching them things that they can, you know, live a proper life by knowing. Right. And, and, and maybe it's also for me is, is doing some hobbies, right? Maybe you like to play the guitar. Maybe you like to uh, go out on weekends and maybe you like to sleep in <laughs> and sleeping in looks like success for you. So, you know, and, and don't discount those things. I, I think that there's a certain personality and I would say that uh, I, I would say that uh, there's a certain personality that needs that uh, constant productivity, Right. And, and, and that's the people that this preys on. Right. It preys on the people who feel like they have to, you know, constantly be better. And they're comparing themselves against these guys with a Lamborghini in their garage, taking these bullshit videos with them. Um, and, and that's that's where the dark side of this gets into is there's a certain percentage of people who need to feel that consistent growth. And they, they need it to the point where they're willing to sacrifice almost everything else in their life to get it, right? Whether it's their their finances when they can't afford these courses, right? And they put it on a credit card, right? Or, or whether it's, um, you know, paying for a, a VIP experience at, at a, you know, some type of bullshit seminar, right? There's, there's, there's all of these, these things that are preying on this individual person who feels the need to compare themselves and feel less than, and then pay money to get to a point where they feel like they can, you know, become that guy who's going to have their own course. <laughs> and there's literally courses of people teaching you how to build a course. It's like, it's the biggest crock of shit industry. And there's a small percentage of people that do it correctly. Right. And so I'll give you some of mine that I like and, and have followed for a very long time and that I think would be good for you to follow too. Okay. The first one that I like is Tim Ferriss. Okay. Now, again, it comes back to authenticity for me. I think that when we're talking about, especially in this, this industry where it's, people are so vulnerable, where people are generally getting into self-help is because they're in a shitty position, right? They don't like where they're at in life. They're unhappy. They, they want to be better. They want to be more than who they are. They want to be like that guy over there who has the nice car, right? And they're willing to sacrifice their children, their happiness, their hobbies, their friends, their family to get there. And where, and so it produces this like gross industry of people preying on people who want to better themselves in a moment of, of, uh, difficulty in a moment where they're vulnerable, where they're unhappy, maybe they're in debt, maybe they, they can't make any money at work in a sales position. Maybe they're, uh, you know, it, it preys on people. And so you get these cult-like followings, like what we saw with Andrew Tate, right? You see all of these, you know, 17 to 23-year-old guys that are paying thousands of dollars to have the pay for the course of a man who was trafficking women so that they too can have as many cars as the outlawed trafficker of women, <laughs> It's like maybe again, maybe that's not the guy who you want to who you want to position yourself around, and and that's kind of what you see across the board with these people. Is like most of them don't don't present themselves as somebody who you would want to be friends with, right? Could you imagine sitting at a table with Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Gary V? Like, and again, it's like hurts me a little internally to say it, but like that would just be a, it's so unauthentic. It's such a caricature of who these men were. And they're not that way when they go home and take their suit coat off and, and spend time with their wife or their family. And if they are, I can't imagine being in that household. That would just be 
miserable. <laughs> but the other ones that I would say um, is Tony Robbins. Now, Tony Robbins is a difficult one, again, because he has these huge cult-like followings, literally is a cult leader. But if you understand going into that, that's what he is. A lot of the stuff that he talks about is just positive psychology and like psychological hacks to become a better person. Now, there's definitely a culty aspect to it, right? He, I'm pretty sure he got sued for like burning the bottoms of people's feet by telling them to walk over a fire. Like I'm fairly positive that was a thing. People sued him because what they would do is they would, you would come to this event, you'd pay him $43,000, whatever the cost was. And then you would go to this event and it was supposed to be this life-changing thing. And then everybody rallies and you go outside and there's all these hot coals lined up outside of this event. And you're supposed to walk over them with your bare feet and just trust just trust me that your feet are going to be fine if you believe they're going to be fine. And these people's feet were not fine. They, they got the whole body. And I think what they did is they like sprayed it with water or like some type of um, some type of solution. I don't know what the mechanics or the science was behind this, but he burned the shit out of people <laughs> and their feet and he got sued because of it. Um, so really culty stuff going on there. But if you listen to some of his courses and, and, and read some of the books, it's, it's a lot about, um, you know, finding, finding out and, and, you know, what is this? Awaken the inner giant within you. Right. And, and so there's some good elements to it. As long as you escape away from the culty ish weirdness. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he was also accused of sexual assault at one point and some other questionable, uh, positions, um, I don't know, but that would be one person that I would say, maybe if you were going to go down that road, there's some absolutely positive things that he teaches. I've been to his seminar. I've clapped along, you know, I've done the whole deal. Um, and, I, and I think that there's absolutely some life-changing things that can happen. And like I said, if you spend $15 on a book and spend five hours reading it and you get one single sentence that resonates with you that improves your life for the better great more power to you read all the books that you want but don't get sucked into these like culty weirdnesses because it really starts to spiral quick right and so the other ones that i would say um i do like i think this is kind of an unrealistic and again it kind of gets back to that caricature kind of idea but i do think that david goggins is a positive one he uh is now if you don't know who david goggins is david goggins was uh, apparently this um went into air force was a was a part of tac p which if you don't know anything about the military tac p is uh basically they um help calling uh, airstrikes and, and things like that. And there's a, a special forces unit, but they're not the same as something like a PJ or Green Berets, or they're, not, they're just not thought of in that same way. So David Goggins left the Air Force, got fat, started a, uh, started working in the er extermination thing and was killing rats and stuff, and then realized he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And he was like 300 pounds. So he went and just ran like Forrest Gump for 46 days straight. I don't know. It was some, some ridiculous regiment that he put himself through to become a Navy SEAL. And in doing so, um, you know, he, he changed his life. He became an ultra marathon runner. He's been on Joe Rogan a ton of times, which helped with his success. And, um, and, and he speaks a lot about just grinding it out, right? Working your ass off. But he is one of those people that talks about waking up at 4am. Don't be a little bitch in, in just run until life's better. And, there's an element of that, right? There's absolutely an element of that. But what one thing that a lot of these people aren't talking about is that most people aren't in the position to do these things in the same way, 
right? Some people have children, some people have spouses, some people have hobbies, some people have, you know, careers and things that they actually need to engage in in a positive manner. And sometimes that doesn't have to do with, you know, lacing your shoes up and running 150 miles or whatever it is that David Goggins would tell you to do. Now, there's a ton of little bitches in this world. <laughs> that does not take away from the fact that there is a lot of men out there who need this lesson, who are soft, who need to go and find something that's difficult and work through it. And as a result, on the other side of that, you will be a better man. That's a reality. That's the truth. And if you if you sit in your house all day, sit on your computer and don't do anything that's actually physically difficult that you do not want to do, then you will not be as good of a person. You will not have as much energy. You will not have as much positivity, as much happiness, as much to give as to pour into other people's cups as you would if you deal with difficulty, right? And this is one thing, you know, one thing I'll talk about with my little journey with that is I think I do jujitsu. Jujitsu has been a big part of my life. I think I have my white belt from way back a few years ago over there. Um, and I think jujitsu allows for that, that, uh, superficial difficulty to be injected into your life because where people start to fall into depressions and anxiety in life is when you don't, you know, and especially when it comes to depression and anxiety, I think you have to like, you have to recalibrate your system every so often, right? When, when you think that you're, you know, the, talking to your boss causes you so much anxiety that you can't even speak or you're sweating before you go to work, or you just drag going to work every single day because it, it triggers your fight or flight response. You're going to your life's going to be more difficult. You're going to be in that fight or flight response for, for, you know, in times where you don't want to be and when it's not helpful. And if you can recalibrate that system to realize that, oh, I'm not in danger, right? My fight or flight response does not need to go off at this time because I'm just talking to my boss. I'm just presenting in front of a small audience. I'm just speaking uh, to my spouse about something that bothers me. I, I think that when I've done jujitsu, it's helped me recalibrate that fight or flight response to realize, oh, nobody's in this moment going to choke me out unconscious. <laughs> and, and if they try to, I will at least be somewhat equipped to, to fight back. Right. And so to me that you have to find something for me, it's, it's jujitsu, right? For me, it's doing some yoga, doing some jujitsu. And those things help calibrate my system in a way to where life seems the, 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 the difficulty that I place myself into seems much more difficult than the one that life throws at me, regardless of circumstance, right? And if you can superficially interject that into your life, you're going to be better off, right? And and so, you know, I, I highly doubt you look at somebody like Grant Cardone or Gary Vee and they're actually doing difficult shit. So when you look at somebody who's in these like guru positions, these self-help positions, the first thing that I would tell you to do is look at who they were before they were trying to sell you a book. If all they've done is sold books about how to make money and made money off of selling books, then that's probably not the guy you want to listen to, right? And that's when I go back to things like David Goggins. When I look at David Goggins and I look at his history and the things that he's done and the merit he has as a result of those things, that should be somebody you want to listen to, right? Find be find a, you know, the, the greatest thing about today's world, right? You look back at, you know, 
all of the, um, you know, you look back in 150, 200, 500 years ago, mentors were always a really big thing, right? You, especially as a man, right? As a man, you would find a, an older man who would teach you and especially in like higher up parts of society and, you know, high income, uh, you know, even back in like Roman times, everybody would have a, like a mentor or a person that they would follow um, or an apprenticeship or things like that. And the, the reason that that's important is because when you're 19 years old and you have no idea how to act in front of people or you don't know how to actually engage with people or, or in, with life in a positive manner, somebody can help teach you. Now, what we find out is back in Roman times, it was a lot of times this weird kind of sexual thing going on there. <laughs> but the positive parts about today compared to 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or 500 or 4,000 years ago is in order to find these mentors in your life, you can find them online. It's like learning. You can literally go to YouTube and find the, the, the single best, I don't know, uh, code or to teach you how to write code, right? You can do that right now and it's all free, right? In the same way that you, you can find, you, you should absolutely find people who are those, you can, that you believe in, that you trust, that you look at their accolades and the things that they've done in life. And you can look at it and go, I would like to be more like that person, right? Whether it's, I want to be more like that person as a father. I follow some accounts that are like that for me, where like, I just see that they're just like crushing it with their kids, right? They're taking them, you know, out to do all the fun things and they're, they're being positive. And, and maybe some of that's bullshit too, because it's in front of a camera for Instagram. But in general, you can kind of pick up on that. And that's what you'll see when it comes to the self-help stuff. All right. So find some mentors, but make sure they're people that you would actually want to follow and be friends with in real life and look at their accolades prior to when they wrote this book that you are going to, you know, spend the money to consume. Because again, very likely there could just be full of shit. <laughs> All right. So let me go into um, some of the books that I would recommend and I'll talk, touch on them a little bit and I'll even read some of the stuff that I've, I've brought out. So I have this big ass uh, pile of books behind me, um, or at least it was big till I cut it in half. So here are the ones that I would actually recommend that you read. Now I talked about one, the very first one, which is Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Now I, I was did very, I did, did not participate in much philosophy in my younger years. I was very much into like the self-help stuff. Um, but I think that there's far more, uh, far more in the way of learning how to be a better person and learning how to live a life of fulfillment, not accomplishment. I think that Fulfillment is the key. And by being fulfilled and finding yourself fulfilled in an industry that you have skills in, you will find yourself accomplished. You will find yourself to be successful. But if you put yourself, like I, I, like I said, I hired a ton of people to come in and try and sell stuff, but they just weren't the right person for it. And, and they're not going to find fulfillment in that if they're not good at it, right? It's difficult. And so if you can find something that you find fulfillment at, and also at the same time, find a way to get better at that thing. Overall, it can sustain you and, and you can become very successful, but it's, it's more so about finding something that's fulfilling first and then moving into that thing, becoming something that you can be acknowledged for or become successful at. All right. So let's see if I can find any of my little passages here from Marcus, Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Um, but most of it's a little bit more deep than anything that you would read from I don't know, Tony Robbins. So <laughs> we'll see if I can actually just pick one up here and, uh, you know, go, go cold off of this, off of some of my notes here. And you'll see here, as I show you this, this book, um, when people say 
my dog ate my homework. My dog literally ate the front cover off of my book, which I don't know, kind of makes it look cooler. I don't know. It looks weathered maybe at least. Let's see. All right. I'll just read this first one. Let's see if it has anything to do with something that I would actually recommend. All right. So this comes from Marcus Aurelius's book two written among the Quadi on the River Grand. Um, it says, uh, no, think like this as if you were on the point of death, you are old. Don't then let this directing mind of yours be enslaved any longer. No more jerking to the strings of selfish impulse. No more disquiet at your present or suspicion of your future fate. Now I find that to be pretty powerful. Again, I just literally just turn to a page that's deeper and there's more to be to, to, to look into and dive into personally in that one little thing than you're ever going to find by diving into a Tony Robbins book right now, just to kind of put a period on that. Um, what, what I have here is like, if, if you did nothing else, but just implement that, right. If, if you did nothing else, but learn that, you know, the, the directing mind, I talked about that monkey mind earlier, right? No longer uh, let the directing minds of yours be enslaved. No jerking to the strings of selfish impulse, right? Selfish impulse is things like wanting to sleep in, right? Things like not wanting to sit down and be focused for an extended period of time to actually work towards a goal that you have, right? And that's, it talks about consistency, right? And, and no longer disquiet at your present or suspicion of your future fate. That talks about anxiety and depression, right? Depression speaks on your past. Anxiety speaks on your future, right? So just in that one little thing there, you can find so much to sit down and think about than you would ever find from a modern self-help book. And if you don't know anything about Marcus Aurelius's meditations, it's crazy. Marcus Aurelius basically had a notebook and, and he was the, the emperor of Rome and was actually the, the father of the person who you may be familiar with. He's from the, uh, the movie Gladiator. If you watch the movie Gladiator, the the actual guy who's in the emperor in gladiator is based off of Marcus Aurelius's son. So again, even writing something as powerful as Marcus Aurelius's meditations still doesn't make you a great father because his son basically murdered a whole bunch of people and was a tyrant. <laughs> so if there's anything to learn about that, I don't know what it is there, but there's, there's some type of lesson there. Um, but Marcus Aurelius took around a notebook everywhere that he walked and he wrote down just these general one-off little ideas. And he never had the intention of it being published. He never had the intention of it being public to the general public's eye. He was just writing ideas to himself and, and giving himself clarity through journaling. And that's a, probably another side note, you know, things that's really positive that can come out of the community is journaling. Journaling's awesome. Highly recommend that you do it. I just have a terrible memory. So, you know, helps to write things down. <laughs> um, Let's let's see if there's anything else. Um, the acts of a man with an eye for precisely what needs to be done, not the glory of its doing. Right. There's just there's so many little quick things in here that have such impact if you take the time to actually sit down and read it. Now, this isn't a book that you'll read like through and through, um, but it is one that you can open in the morning, write down, think about, journal on, whatever that is. Right. So that's Marcus Aurelius's meditations. And again, I have much more of a proclivity towards philosophy now than I do on hustle porn right? So let's see what else I got. Here's a, here's another one. Atomic Habits, right? By James Clear. This is one that I read recently. And again, this is about picking up skills, not about motivation for the moment, right? Realizing that 
consistency over the long term and developing habits is far is worth far more than motivation. Motivation is always going to be fleeting, right? Especially if you're you're somebody who goes in ebbs and flows or you live in I don't know, a super cold area where it's snowing outside and you never see the sun. So you go through, you know, seasonal depressive disorders or whatever that's called. You know, there's going to be ebbs and flows in your life. There's going to be shitty things that happen to you and you're not going to be motivated all the time. But what you can do is you can set yourself up with habits every single day that you do that give you a positive framework to live your life off of. So that's why I like Atomic Habits by James Clear is it gives you a very concise way to build habits. It goes into the psychology of building positive habits, not about hustle till you your dick falls off or whatever the other ones used to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's more about building skills and, and realizing that everything that you want to accomplish is done in, in a very small decision consistently every day, multiple times a day, more than it is getting super excited and snorting a bunch of cocaine off of Ty Lopez's Lamborghini. And then all of a sudden you're a millionaire, which is some people would have you believe. Right. And so one of the things that I really like about, uh, James Clear's, uh, book, and let's see if I have it behind me um, is he talks about how to make habits stick and how to get rid of old habits, right? And for some people, when it comes to resolutions, maybe your resolution shouldn't be, I need to run 15 miles. Maybe it's you need to stop buying candy or alcohol or whatever bullshit you're consuming into your body, seed oils, right? Maybe I need to stop killing myself before I decide I need to run 20 miles every day. Hmm, maybe that's a good idea. Or maybe you should still drink whiskey. I don't know. Who am I? but a guy who likes whiskey. All right. So James Clear Atomic Habits is probably one of my, I would say top three that would say would actually help you build a better future for your life, right? It's not hustle porn. It's not bullshit. It's not disingenuous. It's not something that you're going to pick up and go run 30 miles about. It's going to legitimately make your life better. And it doesn't perpetuate this idea that success comes off of, you know, uh, short term sprints and bullshit speeches and motivations and paying $3,500 to go buy the next new course for the guru who's now your cult leader, <laughs> I think. And so James Clear Atomic Habits is a good one. I, I would say almost, I would say top two, honestly. Like this in Marcus Aurelius's meditations are real life tools that will make you a better person, right? A better husband, a better father, um, a, a better, whatever it is that you want to do, it will make you a better person to be able to do it effectively, not just drive manic episodes in you. I don't know. Let's see what else I got here. Um, the next one, the war of art. All right. The war of art is, and, and this is something that I think was a more of a paradigm shift for me. Right. And again, I've read all of the, the hustle porn bullshit. This was a paradigm shift for me. Right. When you talk about, and I, and I, I've spoken with my daughter kind of about this concept, but I think it's something I need to speak with more. She's young. I'm not going to tell you her age, but she's young. Right. And so, um, so there's times when my daughter does her sport and she's does very, very well at her sport. She does it with people who are like four, five years older than her because she's very, very good at it. But there's times when she doesn't want to go. And before I read this book, I would get frustrated with her. Like, why don't you want to go? You love your sport. You love doing that. Why, why would you ever be frustrated that we're going to go out the door and you got to get dressed to go and we have to do these things? Why would you get so frustrated about it? You love to do that thing. But then I realized I do that thing. Right. Even when I love doing jujitsu, I love doing my podcast. 
right? Even, and you'll see it, the last two, two and a half weeks, I didn't do my podcast because I was dealing with what the war of art would call resistance, right? I was dealing with internal bullshit in my life that was causing me to, to not sit down and do the work when I should do it, even though I love what I do. So it kind of made me have perspective in my life, especially as a parent, to know that even if my daughter doesn't want to go do her sport today, it doesn't mean she doesn't love her sport. It doesn't mean that I should stop paying an exorbitant amount of money <laughs> so she can do it. It means that she's dealing with resistance. And teaching your child, teaching your partner, teaching yourself to identify what this book calls resistance right? Doesn't It doesn't mean that you hate that thing that you feel like you should do. It means that it's something that everybody goes through, right? And, and the, what's nice about this book is it's not something you have to read through and through. It's like literally just like one-off little paragraphs that you can read one a day or whatever that helps you get over that. So this is a very, very good one, a very good tool, whether you're an artist, whether you, you know, whatever it is that you want to become successful at getting over that resistance and just realizing that you can identify that for what it is, is a really, really important tool. And that is why the war of art. All right. There's another one. And let's see what else I got here. Eckhart Tolle, 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 Tolle. Tolle, whatever his name is. Now, another very famous one that he wrote was The Power of Now. Um, now, this is gets into the woo-woo a little bit, but I like the woo-woo, if you know me by now. I like some of the woo-woo, all right? So what this this book talks about is the, the collective unconscious of our world. And, and it talks about that monkey mind consistently. It, it names it a little bit differently. Um, and again, I like woo-woo. So this little woo-woo in this book um, and in Eckhart Tolle in general. But I do think that this collective... Um, collective, I forget the name that he calls it. I read this several years ago, but it's just stuck with me so much. Um, there's a, he talks about our inherited dysfunction, but he uses a specific word, um, but a lot of it's psychology based, right? A lot of it's based off of Jungian theory. A lot of it's based off of, um, you know, the idea of a, a collective unconscious and negative emotions driving negative actions and, and how to become more self-aware. This, if this book, right, we talked about self-awareness over self-motivation, self-improvement, self-whatever you want to call it. Self-awareness. If you want to become self-aware, you want to realize that what is actually going on inside of your head and overcome it, the power of now or a new earth. I haven't read the power of now. I have it upstairs. I'm going to read it soon. But um, a new earth is an absolutely earth shattering book. If you are not somebody who has dove into meditation, yoga, uh, you know, internal dialogue, like the monkey mind, all of that conversation. If you're not somebody who's dealt with that before, I would highly, highly recommend you read this book. And again, tools for life, not bullshit motivation, uh, hustle porn. All right. And then the last one, OG, the man, the myth, the legend, Jordan Peterson, right? Got to give the credit where his credit is due. 12 Rules for Life is an amazing book, incredible book. Um, and I think for every, you know, a lot of it's aimed towards, you know, he, he kind of speaks to young men in this, but I think it's just everybody in general, right? And and you go by the rules, right? Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Just be confident, right? And, and it's, it's not something that people generally are taught, like exude confidence, right? Like 
Don't, don't, don't slouch when you're in a room, give, give the idea, give yourself a a sense of self-importance, right? Like stand up straight with your shoulders back. And he talks about the actual physical psychology of that is when, you know, the, the, there's actual studies that were done in the amount of like testosterone produced in the body. When somebody just literally stands upright when they're in a room, as opposed to slouching down and kind of like being timid and shy. So rule one, rule two, treat yourself like someone you were responsible for helping. Right. And, and I think that's important because generally you're the last person that you take care of. Right. If you're kind of like me. Right. You're 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 going to convince five of your friends that they should go talk to a doctor or a therapist before you go seek that out yourself, regardless of the circumstances of what you're going through. Right. So treating yourself like someone that you're responsible for helping was I think that was a big paradigm shift for me in the way of like how not a, not just medically, but emotionally and physically treat yourself as if you were somebody that you were responsible for helping. Um, make friends with people who want the best for you. Pretty straightforward. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who someone else is today. And I think that talks about everything we've talked about today, right? That comparison, right? Comparing yourself next to Ty Lopez's Lamborghini. And I'm sorry if I brought that up too much today, but it just drives me crazy. Don't compare yourself to other people. You came from a different family, different circumstances, different life, different career, different emotions. I don't know. Maybe you're, you had a bunch of concussions like me. I don't know. You get, you went through your own set of stuff. Don't compare yourself to other people. And the, the old adage, comparison is the thief of joy, right? There's absolutely something to that. Um, so if, if you learn to compare yourself to who you were yesterday and set up habits in the way that they're going to actually position you in a positive direction, moving towards the future, right? And I think that's a big, uh, uh, an overarching theme to making your life better is delayed gratification in almost every aspect, delayed gratification, um, everything that you do, right? Whether it's money, finances, um, hobbies, right? And that's something that, again, jujitsu's taught me a ton is like, yeah, you can go into karate and be a black belt in two years, or you can go in and get your ass kicked for years after years after years. And all of a sudden you're starting to kick people's asses too, but you got to get your ass kicked first. And that's in almost every industry with every skill that you learn, get your ass kicked and learn to get your ass kicked, right? Because when you do so and you're confident in doing so and confident that it's going to lead to me being a better person, it's going to lead to me being better at this, whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's doing your job, whether it's reading in general or building habits, right? The idea that you can build the skill of building habits is the best skill that you can ever learn, right? I don't know how I just got on that tangent. Um, Don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Now, that's an interesting one. I think there's been some contradictory theories in parenting uh, world books, kind of um, Gaber Mate, Gabor Mate, um, came on to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. I think on Joe Rogan, he like kind of subtweeted at... Jordan Peterson, when he talked about this, but on Tim Ferriss, he specifically called out Jordan Peterson for saying this, right? And he talks about kind of how you should, if your child is throwing a temper tantrum or is really upset and and acting in a way that wouldn't be publicly acceptable, that you should reprimand them to the point where they don't want to do it again because you want your children to be likable by adults. You want your children to be likable by other children. So to, to basically get that out of them. Right. And Gabor Mate, who wrote the book, um, Hold On to Your Children, uh, which I also have, which is also a great book, which I highly recommend for parenting. Um, 
speaks on it differently, right? He, t- he talks about how you should um, give your child space to be angry, space to be mad, because if they learn that being mad or angry is not okay, they tend to internalize that and, and it can lead to negative emotions later in life, like depression, anxiety, because they're kind of like not learning how to properly deal with their emotion and just hiding it from the world until they're in the room and, you know, punching their pillow or whatever. Um, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. I think anybody who has heard of Jordan Peterson has heard his debates on that. Um, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Like almost half of these rules talk about the things you shouldn't pursue with these bullshit self-help books, <laughs> right? So this is a good one. Um, tell the truth or at least don't lie. And I can speak on that one for a while. Um, but I think that's a, a pretty good pretty good one. Um, tell the truth or, or at least don't lie. And that's, that's rule number eight. There's 12 rules in this one. And he did another 12 in his second book, um, which again, I also highly recommend, but tell the truth or at least don't lie. I think that's a good one because when you live your life in a way where you don't have to lie, where you don't have to be disingenuous, where you don't have to be constantly, you know, whether you're Grant Cardone or Ty Lopez or Gary Vee or insert bullshit motivation influencer here, when you're not that, when, when, when you decide that you're that person publicly, you always have to be that person. Right? If you're lying to yourself about who you are and then you go present yourself to the world, the next time somebody comes up and shakes your hand, all of a sudden you got to pop in the character. Right? And, that, and that's, that's one side of it. Now, the other side of it is if you live your life in a way where you don't have to lie, everything becomes easier because that anxiety level in your life obviously just goes down, goes away. And that's what I got for you guys. All right. So that is my position on New Year's resolutions. Andrew Tate being a sex trafficking weirdo misogynist asshole and who you should listen to, who is bullshit and what you should read and what you shouldn't. All right. So let me know what you think. Head over to redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers and sign up for the Substack. You'll get all of the articles, all of the videos, all of the clips, everything. Um, you'll get it redpillrevolution.co, and I would appreciate it. Um, Thank you guys for listening today. I did do a live on Instagram, considering doing this again. I don't know. Um, It's kind of fun. I don't know if it'll let me read your guys' comments once we're done here, but maybe I'll stick with me. I'll stick on here and talk with you guys in a minute. Um, But join me on Instagram at redpillrevolt or at the Austin J. Adams, which is my backup account, which seems to be getting to a lot more people than my main account. Who can guess why? All right. Again, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you so much. Hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and I love you. Welcome to the revolution.